You're live Monday night after another very solid win, CB. It's always good to, to be doing a show after a nice win. How are you, mate? Very good, thing. Unlike other uh, other um, opposition club affiliated podcasts, we turn up whether we win or we lose, Chris. <laughs> whether we win or we lose. I can't very believe you gave time. all the airtime then. Can't believe you did that. No, that was... Now that we had a, been a pretty good night on Saturday night, we also did the live show. So once again, thanks so much to everyone who tuned in uh, to the live show. Very much appreciated. It was a good bit of fun. Uh, we'll definitely try and do it again if we have a interstate final, if we make it. Um, you know, the feedback is fairly well received and uh, it, was, it was fairly enjoyable. So thanks everyone for watching that. But tonight we do have a very special guest in the house. Played 81 games, kicked 103 goals. He wore the number seven, Michael Mitchell. Welcome to the show, mate. Uh, cheers, gents. Thanks for having me. Um, no pleasure. At all. And big shout out to Nick for helping organise this. Nick, thank you so much, mate. Love your work as always. Really appreciate you reaching out. Um, work, this is going to be yeah, an absolute cracker, no doubt. So make sure wherever you're listening to folks, make sure you give the, the show a like and a share on whatever platform you're on. Um, and we'll uh, we'll get stuck into it. So we'll just talk about your time as a Tiger. It's, you signed a, a three-year deal with the Tigers in 86 and to begin playing in 87. How did that offer come about? And was the um, attract, what was the attraction to the club? Because our on-field performance probably wasn't as good as we would have liked. Um, well, there were two offers on the table at the time. So I was a pretty reasonable player back in the West. And um, the other offer was Geelong, which is an interesting scenario. But the reason I and I have only just mentioned this for the last four days. I'm part of Tackle Your Feelings, which is a mental health suicide prevention awareness with um, Zurich and the Coaches Association for the AFL. And um, the reason I went to Geelong was that they had two Aboriginal players there, and Geelong had none, so it was a no-brainer. And the great Morris Rioli was here, so I wanted to play a year with Morris. I had the pleasure and the honour of playing with him in state games and state of origin, and uh, so it was a no-brainer. I can, I can imagine that would have been a very attractive concept to play alongside <laughs> Morris. Oh, yeah, look, um, I absolutely rate him. Uh, he is just a fantastic bloke on top of being a fantastic footballer. And uh, he's probably a better bloke, well, he was a better bloke than he was a footballer. So him and the great Stephen Michael, so fantastic. Yeah. There's a name that should, should have come over from the West, shouldn't it? Shouldn't he, Stephen Michael? My goodness, the clips of him, amazing. Oh, yeah, look, and, and they asked me um, last week um, about what I thought, who I thought he'd be like in the modern game and I said I think I mentioned that he'd probably be uh, Maxi Gaunt with a bit of guru in him. There you go. And a bit more. <laughs> he could hit him. He could hit him. <laughs> well, look, and, uh, one thing he didn't do was uh, if you had a different colour jumper on, like uh, he cleaned me up once and um, good news is he apologised about five minutes later when he had the chance, but we all knew the drill with him, that if you were the Wallace, you, you knew where he was on the field. Now, with Maxie Gorn, you're not going to worry too much about Maxie, um, but with him around, you knew where he was. Everybody had a target on him. 
Uh, what, what was your first memories arriving to the club? And did anyone, I suppose, take you under their wing and, uh, and really start to look after you? Um, probably, uh, well, obviously, Phil and Morris. But TJ was great. Tony Jewell. So he was fantastic. Looked after me, took me in, and uh, gradually grew from there. So, um, but yeah, because I had that connection with uh, Morris, and I knew Phil, knew of him, and then and got to know him better. And I was just off the phone to him just now, talking to him about stuff. So, you know, these things last for a lifetime. But the club were really. They treated me very well, and I'm still surprised to this minute how well they treat me, and uh, it's quite humbling and quite flattering. So, yeah, I did make the right choice. Absolutely, and we're all forever grateful as well. And speaking of Phil, he actually was on this show a couple of weeks ago, and I've been told he'll be listening in tonight. So what was it like playing alongside Phil as a teammate? Yeah, look, good. Um, he was... Um, he was built like the proverbial, the brick house, and um, he had lumps and bumps on him all over. But, gee, um, nobody in our day had a better left foot as a non-preferred than Phil Egan. So he was both sides of his body, tough, and uh, we're great mates to this very minute and always will be, and it's a bit sad our, our other mates are no longer with us, but... You know, rest in peace, brother Morris. But no, Phil was fantastic, um, as was everyone at the club, you know. And what I do like about the Tigers, and I'll come out and say it straight up, they looked after their champions. So the Ghost, Disco, General and the Fleet, and they honoured them till the end, which not too many clubs do. And uh, even though, you know, being a bit upfront and a bit honest, it probably cost the club, but at least they honoured their champions. So whether this generation do that, I don't know. There's a fair few there with three uh, premiership medals around their neck. Hopefully one more. Yeah. Hopefully one more. Well, we're still in the window. Correct. Absolutely. And I'll take you back down memory lane here, Michael. So... Ironically, so your debut game was the West Coast Eagles' first game in the new formed VFL of the time. So you debut in round one in 87 against the West Coast Eagles and you return his 17 disposals and three goals. Yep. And also, Morris Rioli had a very lazy 34. You know, he couldn't get the extra six to get the 40, so a bit lazy from Morris there. Yep. <laughs> so... What are your memories of that first game? Because it was a significant moment in VFL slash AFL football. Yeah, look, um, it was a – I think we were leading by a reasonable amount three-quarter time. We were. And they ran us down. I think we might have been oh, something 20-odd or even 30 up. And um, they ran us down. But, um, look, I was – Still sort of on one and a one and a bit legs because I did my knee in the State of Origin game in 86 and um, it still wasn't right. And so, but they played me anyway and I, and I did okay. And uh, it gradually got better and better. But 
Yeah, I struggled for a while because of the knee. I did a meniscus in my knee and, um, yeah, just took me a little week, little while to pick it up. But, you know, the great Morris, what can we say, you know? Yeah, just a champion. Superstar. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and in your first year, you kicked, go- you kicked goals in all but six games, ending on 37 goals for the year. So you must have been really pretty. Even though you, you tell us you start the year on one and a half legs, that's a pretty yeah. solid return. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so that was um, 87. Yep. So the next year, I had an even better year. And um, the penny finally dropped about what the game was about for me. And um, I got fitter, stronger, my knee got better. And, you know, um, yeah, it was a fantastic year. Um, so, you know, I, I was thinking about that before, about so 80-odd games and 103 goals, I think. They were talking about uh, Rory Lobb, and I think he's primarily played as a forward, a big forward. And his return is almost one goal a game. And I was thinking about it, I was thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. What's the reaction? Nothing special, but anyway. <laughs> and it's funny now, speaking, so you've obviously come to the club and obviously, unfortunately, the club, the, the results and things went down a bit. But we know in talking to Dale Waitman, when, when our performances went down, when he played for Victoria, to him, that was like another grand final type thing for him. He, he said as much. So when you were selected to play for Western Australia against a team like Victoria, how great was that moment? And tell us about that type of interstate rivalry. What was it like? Oh, look, um, there was, um, I think, about 40-odd thousand people on a Tuesday, though, at Subiaco Oval. And um, the... Place was packed, the Vicks were in town, and it was a big deal. And, uh, you know, so I came from the Waffle and played with them. And to be honest, I I didn't think much about footy when I was playing in the Waffle and about game plan style and what the game was about. It was just about get the ball, go down and do some stuff and get a goal or give an assist and... Yeah, but when we got to that level, it was a different ball game altogether. And obviously the one big thing in our favour was we had Mr Stephen Michael on our side for a change, which made a difference. <laughs> he was running around with the radar and missile lock on all of them. And they all knew, they all knew where he was too. But, you know, going back to Flea, um, oh, what a gentleman, what a player, Um and him and Jocko, I think, kicked about 11, maybe 11 or 10 goals. And so they, and Choco is Brian Rock from uh, Footscray, they were the Rovers. And they had Mr. Brad Hardy playing on them for a little while. Interestingly, Brad got the Simpson medal, I think. Um, or was that another game? I think he got a medal and he had about 10 goals. Be honest, though, 
he probably had six kicked on him while he was, they were resting. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it was all good anyway. We won. <laughs> Coming um, across as, I suppose, a mature age player, how different was the waffle compared to going into the VFL? You obviously dominated in WA. Uh, what Were there any sort of main differences that you could tell straight away between the two comps? Um, the depth and the, of the skill level ran down a lot deeper than at the waffle. And it's two different games too. Um, so one thing I got to know when I was there was that there's this stuff called Mary Creek Turf. And ah, um, yes. <laughs> yes. And uh, it is mud that just cakes on your hand. And I remember I was running down, uh, we are playing at the Western Oval, and I was going past, the next thing this bloke tackled me, and I looked and I said, oh, bloody hell, Lammy. It was Craig Lambert. I, my sash and everything was just covered in mud, so he couldn't see anything. So he just, I think, tackled me on suspicion going past. But that's the merry thing too. But um, look, the grounds were okay, just uh, cold or something to get used to. But I guess the quality of player and I guess once I established myself and understood the game, then I became a part of that mix. And uh, I know a couple of mates who played for other clubs and they used to tell me it was, and I'm not bigging myself up here, but you see that selection, it was funny. They all the batmen would be sitting there and they'd be thinking, they'd all be a bit nervous, all the little blokes, and they were wondering who was going to get me. So I don't blame them. I don't blame them. <laughs> he said, and when they didn't get it, they were happy. <laughs> Someone else got me. <laughs> I suppose during your era, there, there wasn't like that rotation of defenders onto different plays like you see these days. It was kind of one-on-one -on -one the whole game, wasn't it? Yeah, and uh, after a while, I, I sort of, I was sort of thinking, you know, like there were a lot of fast guys getting games just to play on me. So now they probably would have got a game normally, but there was a couple that maybe didn't. But but uh, no, it was the rotations are an interesting thing. You know, what a luxury item if we had them in our day. Go off for ten minutes and not have to worry about a thing in the world. Come back on and in, you know, and uh, go hard offensively, just work out, then go off again. But in our day, we had to stay the whole journey. Yeah. And you, you had to pace yourself. So if you had someone, so you had to watch them more than the players of today. I know it's not quite a level playing field, but they think it is, but it's not. And uh, obviously you had a, a obviously very good start in 87, 88. 89, though, you, you picked up some bad concussion injuries. And I, I saw some, when I was researching for this, I saw some clips about you speaking about it. Are you able to sort of talk about what happened there and the long-term effects it had on you in that season? Because you, you took, I suppose, the rest of the year off um, just to, to sort of get your own health back on track. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had a breakout year in 88, went to another level. Um so highly regarded by most clubs. Um, two weeks before the start of the season, I got cleaned up in a practice match out at Bayswater and we were playing North Melbourne. And uh, anyway, 
I won't name the place, but there were two blokes involved. And I ended up, ended up with a gash about six to five inches long on the top of my skull. Um, went to hospital that night, uh, much to my wife's, I guess, being anger and dismay. I thought I was Mickey Mouse for 24 hours because um, they'd ask me my name and I'd say Mickey Mouse. Uh, that happened for about 24 hours. And um, so I didn't train for two weeks. And then we had a, got the phone call. They wanted me to play. And I said, oh, okay. So they said, we'll do a fitness test. So I went down the club, ran a lap or two, ran around, kicked the ball around and said, how are you feeling? I said, oh. Okay. And then they said, all right, we're going to play it. So I played the first six games. I shouldn't have played one in hindsight. But um, stuff happened that was a bit dinkum. And I'll, I guess I'll, what I did was, and, and it was silly of me, but, you know, you think you're ahead of the game. But they introduced psychometric testing around my injury for cognition and concussion. When they told me what the test was about and how it operated, so, and I'll say this obviously, this is a public space, um, and, but I tanked the first test, which was silly and stupid of me, and I wouldn't recommend that to any kid, boy or girl, to this day and age. And... Um, so I tanked the first test and then they did another one a week later, a week later, and it was all good. So I showed improvement. So they said, you're right. So I played six games. When I played a couple of times, I'd run and it's a bit dinkum now, and I'm probably exposing myself a bit here, but anyway, we'll go here. So I'd take a mark and I'd be sliding along and I remember it vividly. The horizon would be bouncing on with my eyeline and my wife, who I love dearly, and um, she knew I wasn't right. She came down on game six down to the bench and because she could see me struggling. She said, get him off. Because in all that time, I didn't train in between games. And um, so that's it. They had the test and they said, I'll go home or, you know, rest up for the 16 weeks. So I had 16 weeks off in that five-year period, which is a pretty significant chunk. And I wasn't going to play again. Um, yeah, I wasn't going to play, but I guess, you know, something was nagging at me, but also the club, you know, made an offer that, uh, anyway, was pretty good. And um, so I did. And... Something tells me that I was crazy to roll that dice, but by the same token, you know, I did okay. wasn't that great, but uh, but I did get Mark again goal here in, in uh, nineteen ninety, I think. So, but yeah, it was a little bit. It was a bit like that. So, I know now know in hindsight that I shouldn't have done it, but you know, I've got no regrets. My cognition's good now. I've done an, uh, a university degree since I finished playing footy since I, when I came back. 
So my cognition and brain was okay, but it was all a bit thickened. And the important part is you made the recovery and you, you took the time after those six weeks to, to get yourself right, which is good. Yeah, absolutely. And look, a lot of my peers of my day, um, I've spoken to a fair few, and a lot of them are struggling. And uh, I know there's new medications, a new process, so, which is helping, but it's interesting when I talk to some of their wives about it, all their, you know, they're all really worried, and so as I am for every one of those fellas. But I understand that most of them are going okay. Um, but it was a different era, a different time, you know. Yeah. Yes. What if somebody got cleaned up? Nowadays they don't. Yeah. That's the thing. That's the era, isn't it? It was just the era where you know you you considered you get clobbered, you considered weak for going off, but in reality, you know, I mean, like, it's just crazy. No, absolutely, and that that was that was the that was the times, but it was pretty dinkum, and you know, pretty tough, and you know, medical stuff's getting better and better, but you know, sometimes you got to make the right decision that's in your own best interest. Yeah, and, and what we learn as we get older is you don't get people don't judge you on that; they actually respect that, you know. But at the time, when you're the bloke making the call, you. It's, it's amazing how these decisions come about, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, you know, and uh, you're the one that has to live with the consequences, no one else. You, your family, they all have to live with it. So, and, you know, I'm thankful that uh, I'm okay at this minute. Like, I'm supposed to be playing touch footy now. And um, okay. so I'm 60 and still can run around and still be okay at it. And um, and I'm grateful for that. Given my history around the concussion stuff, the severity of it, I shouldn't probably be able to do what I'm doing now. So I think I've been very lucky. So, But I'll never roll that dice again or recommend or suggest to anyone that they roll that dice. That's, that's, that's the powerful message right there. That's the message. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, you only get one life and one shot at it. So make the most of it. And sometimes, you know, you got to call time on something. Sadly, if it's footy, I know average wage now is what, 376000 a year. And um, that's pretty good head start in anyone's life. 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I'm going to take you back now. Um, I'm going to take you back to about 1990. This is like a two part. Two part yep. because we have had it raised in our comment section. Um, so I'm going to take you back to 1990, and um, that was the year that basically 1990 was a huge year for the club and also for yourself, right? The club yep. was in a bad place, and we launched our Save Our Skins campaign. Yeah, what were your memories of that, and how it impacted you and the playing group? Look, um. My memories of it are that every night at training, punt road, I'd be in the change rooms till I had to go out because it was that bloody cold, wet, muddy generally. But every time I'd go outside, there would be a group of supporters sitting down to my right and to my left as I went out of the change room. And they'd all say hello. 
and I'd say hello to them and talk to a couple of them and always had a yarn to them. And um, I remember it because they were the people that really rallied and lobbied around stuff as well as a bit of corporate stuff and that, but I've never forgotten that fact. And now, no disrespect to any of my teammates, but there was a lot of fellas that didn't really say much to them, to those supporters. And I, I used to see it, but it didn't worry me. But I was just thinking, oh, come on, say hello at least. But that's why the Tigers are who they are. And thank God, uh, Neb and the committee and everything really rallied and lobbied. And, uh, you know, it could have been curtains. But mm. you see what the dividend is today of the Tigers. And when the Tigers are on the roll, you know, one of the... <laughs> One of my special things in life is saying that I'm a former Tiger. So I was a Tiger at Claremont as well. But, yeah, Richmond Footy Club, yeah, very honoured to be a part of it. And, and and speaking of commitment and, and sacrifice, which you made for our wonderful club, in extraordinary circumstances, in 1990 versus Sydney, at Sydney. Yep. And just imagine, that, imagine this in today's game, right? The entire playing group played the last game versus Sydney for free. No wages were paid. Yeah. How did that decision come about? Who who makes that type of decision and gets the players on board with something like that? To tell you the truth, I, I've got not a lot of lot of recollection lot lot of recollection of that. But oh look, if I had my time over, I'd play for the Tigers for nothing for the whole five years. That's amazing. It's amazing. And now I hope you did get something for the next uh, part. So, so yeah. in that game, you had an outstanding game against the Swans. You kicked four yeah. goals, including your seven-bounce goal of the year winner. Can you talk us through what you remember of the goal? And also, I want to know, what did you win for it? Um, well, it was an interesting combination, the prizes. So one was a Ford laser. That was for mark of the year. And goal of the year was $5,000 worth of fuel from BP Australia. I said to them all, look, um, I don't know about the laser. Um, I want one of them ones over there, the courier, Ford courier. And I said, <laughs> I'll, pay the difference. <laughs> I'll pay the difference for the four-wheel drive. So that's what it is. Um, the um, fuel one, hey, couldn't get a Sandman pedal van or a Tirana. <laughs> no, well, they're bloody oldens. I'm, I'm a Ford man, <laughs> <laughs> but um, the goal of the year was the interesting one in that they gave me uh, because there's a bit of a backstory too. Um, so they rang me up and said, Oh, Mitch, look, you've won. Um, Channel 7 rang me up and said, Look, you've won. Uh, goal of the year and we're going to have this big day on this day and I said oh look I'm sorry I can't come I'm going to a christening in Geelong of a mate from Carnarvon and I said I'm going to be there and they said oh I said yeah and anyway so they had a uh, some voting system where they had a voting period for Mark uh, or no was it 
mark of the year, yeah. So I'd won goal of the year and they said, uh, mark the year. And then they rang me up and said, oh, look, you've won that too. And we need you to win for the sponsors and that. And I said, oh, okay. Um, so I, I don't know if I said, yeah, okay. I said, look, let me think about it. And so anyway, I got back to them and anyway, talked through the club and so I eventually went in. But So I won $5,000 worth of fuel. Now, the interesting part of that was I buggered it up for everyone in that I went a little bit over the 5000 with the card because <laughs> they got <laughs> I won't say how much I'm in public, but uh, it's a reasonable amount. <laughs> I used that card religiously for 12 months and then I emailed it back to BP. Uh, not emailed, I sent it back by mail to EP. I should have, uh, to BP. I should have kept it, but um, I used a couple more dollars than I should have probably. And the, the interesting part about the next year was a fellow called uh, Daryl White won it. And he's a he's a good, good fella and I know him and he's from... Uh, he had connections to Carnarvon and all that from where I'm from. And so when they gave him the prize the next year, and interestingly, that was his first goal he ever kicked, they called for my uh, goal of the year. And they said, oh, um, here, Darrell, here's $5,000 cash for you. <laughs> the card days were over. <laughs> so, <laughs> I had a win. I won't say it was a pretty good win. Just speaking of Darrell White, how was that footage I had him on the front bar the other week and he kicked that reverse torpedo? Was it reverse torpedo? So he, he, sort of tore, he did some amazing torpedo. From, he kicked a barrel from about 50 out in the fence or something. He was a remarkable footballer, Darrell White. Oh, highly skilled. He can pull the rabbit out of the hat at any point in time. And, uh, yeah, he had these go-go gadget arms and go-go gadget legs too. But, um, no, he's a good fellow. And good to see him and a lot of the boys doing well in the afterlife too, which is which is important. You know, and one of my messaging in all the stuff I do is footy's not about making people better footballers. That's going to happen. That's a given. So at the end of the day, footy should be about making them better people for when they go back to community. And that's what every club should be on about. Absolutely. Um, now, with the, I suppose with the goal and the mark, with the goal first, when you took the ball at centre-half back, how, how far into that run did you think, I'm a real chance to kick a goal here because no one was catching you. They just stood there and watched. It was amazing. Well, um, Dennis Cometti was on to it early in his commentary. I think about the second or third bounce he's called it. And I think he said something from memory like Michael Mitchell says he wants this goal or something like yeah. that anyway. But, uh, look, it just kind of opened up. I accelerated out from a few blades. Now, no disrespect to them, but they weren't the quickest blades around. <laughs> and I think I dodged around a couple and all the boys say they were, you know, why didn't I handball it to them? And I just I always say to them, well, you weren't in position A to receive it. So the game itself. <laughs> but probably at the end of the day, it's 
I don't know, it's one of the longest carries of the ball in broken play in time and maybe distance, I don't know. Yeah, and it happened so quick. It was just electrifying. And what about the mark? Did you did you know you're in a good position to take the hanger as the ball was in the air? Um, yeah, look, um, one of the interesting things about it all is that we have a crack at that all the time in our day, so, <laughs> as they do now. But um, And I used to get a bit lucky every now and then and take one or two and... Uh, just give the bigger blokes a little reminder that, um, you know, jump on them, rake them, knee them, whatever, just to let them know it's not all one-way traffic. So, yeah, it was good. It was. It was. It took a cracker in the waffle as well. I think we were yeah, seen that a couple of days in the air. <laughs> yeah, look, um, one of the interesting things about my time is that when somebody today, yesterday or last year or next year, has a, has a moment like that, invariably my name gets mentioned. So it's quite humbling and quite flattering. So, yeah, and, you know, it's amazing. The one at Subiaco Oval, if the amount of people that told me they were there at the mark would have been at the game, there would have been about 300-odd thousand in there. <laughs> Everybody was there. <laughs> took that mark. All right. Um, who was the best player you got to play with at the Tigers? And conversely, who was the best opponent that you played against? Um, oh, look. In my day, um, obviously there was Gary Ablett, senior, as a player. But, you know, I rate brother Morris. Now, Morris wasn't in his prime when I got there. And um, I got to play with him in his prime within uh, state games, state of origin and that. So I saw him at his best, but I rate him and uh, Stephen Michael very, very highly and obviously the great Gary Ablett. Like, you know, he could do it all. And funny, when I had the 16 weeks off, I rang the boys up we, and uh, a couple of them and uh, we played Geelong down at Geelong. And anyway, that was the day I think he, it was either 14 or 16 he kicked on the wing. And uh, he was, they said to me, he was kicking left foot, right foot bombs from 50, 55 out and just unstoppable. And they ran out of blokes to play on him. So... <laughs> <laughs> but, but the thing about Gary Senior, and they compare Gary Junior to him, uh, it'll be a no contest in my view. No disrespect to Gary Junior, but if Gary Senior had you in front of him, he would clean you up, and he didn't mind having a rest. He'd have a break, but um, he would clean you up, and he was a big boy and quick and tough. But that would be my players. And, and I guess so. So you finished up in '91. Did you yep. continue playing beyond beyond that? Did you sort of go back to the waffle? What, what did you do after your playing days at Richmond? Where'd you go? What'd you do? Oh, uh, look, I'd had a ten-year career, so you know, ten years. I think uh, 
I think I played 84 or something with Claremont, 81 with um, Richmond, played um, two international rules series, which was six tests, played about eight or nine or ten, I don't know which one, um, state and state of origin games. So I had a pretty good run and I just, St Kilda were interested in me going there and I said, no, I've had enough. I knew I was done. It, it, when I got in, injured, it just was never the same. The serious concussion, it's never the same when you have a serious concussion. So, But I was still playing reasonably well enough to, to you know, make my way. And I'll, but being true to you, it was never the same. And um, so I gave it away and went back straight home back to Carnarvon and, uh, yeah, um, thank, thankfully I did that because uh, it wouldn't have been right to try and hang in there and get back the glory days, which were never going to happen. Like, like an old punch-drunk fighter. They hang around yeah. too long, don't they? <laughs> you know, how many standing eights can you have yeah. before and, you call to So, And I guess for the people that might have missed earlier on. So what, what do you do, just for our viewers, what do you do do today? What are you currently doing? Well, um, I lead an interesting life, really. Um, so part of my footy connection, so I'm I'm actually on the board, uh, I'm on the steering committee for the AFL's Mental Health Committee. And um, the reason for that is that I've worked for nearly 20 years in health, mental health. In the Aboriginal side, I was the program manager of the Species Service Mental Health Service here in WA. So I'm kind of considered a subject matter expert in the realm of social and emotional well-being and mental health, Aboriginal mental health. Um, I work on some research projects with uh, Dr. Helen Mirror, who's the commissioner within the AFL. And we currently um, have got two research projects happening. So it's all around Indigenous mental health and social and emotional wellbeing. I uh, did one for the last three or four years for adults. And now we just got another research grant for youth. Um, I also do a bit of Tackle Your Feelings, which is a... Mental Health Awareness Suicide Prevention Program, which is a uh, run by Zuri International. They are the funding body and have a significant say in what happens. And also the AFL Coaches Association and the Digital Players Association. So we just did four sessions down south, uh, which was well received, and they're going to do a lot more. So... And in between that, I'm actually at a place called Wallach Foundation, which was the David Wirupunda Foundation talking about setting up another business because I do all the other stuff under my consultancy business. So I've kind of become a mental health expert that is doing that stuff. So, And it's all necessary things for Aboriginal folk because... Uh, it's a bit of a troubled space for young people and Aboriginal people in the health, mental health space. And we have, I don't know if you're aware of them, but they have a 
closing the gap targets. And that's a huge deal and they're not going anywhere within the federal and state processes. So they just reconfigured all that and uh, it's because they were going backwards. So there's things like uh, educational attainment, drug and alcohol, mental health and all that stuff. So I guess you can say, um, yeah, I'm contributing. And hopefully within all this process, we're making the lot a better place for Aboriginal folks so that we have more people playing footy at every level, not just the elite, because I understand that that's going backwards a bit too, which is a bit of a worry. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's what I do. So, um, But also, well, I don't tell people, but I'm, I'm a justice of the peace, so every time they see me, they say, oh, can you sign this? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do. I might need some help with the missus later on, mate. You can uh, come settle it down for it. I need some peace in the house. Um. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I did. And I, you know, I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, and I, it's a good field to get into. That's fantastic. And I'm going to reframe the next question. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the current batch? of uh, young Indigenous Tigers, and it must give you a tremendous pleasure watching Morris Rioli Jr. just start to cut teams apart already. Like, what do you think, Marlon Pickett's story is fantastic. What do you think of the current batch and what's going on at Tigerland? Oh, look, I, I think they're just fantastic. And uh, next time I come over, I'm, I'm going to try and hang out with them, go out for a feed or something with them. And um, Daniel Rioli, his game's gone through the roof. And um, he is just unbelievable. Marlon, his story is just amazing. And, you know, I was thinking in a selfish way, wouldn't it be good if he just retired after that one game? (laughs) 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 Who could say that? They played one game of AFL and it was a premiership. Nobody. Nobody. And, look, he's... um, He's more than holding his own. And, uh, you know, it disappoints me watching the game. And even though I wasn't that great a both side of player, but I had pace to get around on it. But he is fantastic on both sides of his body. So he's a good option. Uh, young Morris Jr. and the Miss, Mr. Edwards, they are just fantastic players all around. And uh, young Mr. Parker, who's just, I think, been delisted. He did his bit there too. And what I do like about, so two of those processes, two of those individuals were people that don't fit the mould of, you know, development scores up through the ranks and being on the right side of everything. So they come from tougher backgrounds and it's fantastic for Richmond as an entity and this is what I like about it. And it goes back to my statement earlier about them becoming greater people through this process because uh, the big process at the minute is about reciprocity. I always struggle with that word. But anyway, in the Aboriginal space. And so Richmond giving them boys a fantastic chance and they will hopefully do the right thing down the track with the rest of their lives when their footy career is over because, you know, your footy career, what, I'm 61 this year, 
So footy you only play for 10 years at the most, if you're lucky, even shorter. So it's not a huge part of your life, but it can make and shape and what you do down the track. And no better buy-in in any conversation than saying you're a former AFL player. People give you a couple of minutes when that's the lead in, generally. Yeah. So yeah, but no, no, I'm just in awe and amazement at the young blokes, but the club took a huge chance. And, you know, I don't know what our numbers are. I think there's five, five that I've mentioned. There may be some others on, on the list. I'm not too sure. But it's, it's is uh, Shea Bolton, who a, a lot of Tiger folk who watched you play, so you'll be very similar with your, your ability, uh, your leap, your goal sense. Do, do you see similarities between the two of you? Uh, look, I watch him and I see myself like and that, and that's not being vain or anything, but I just see what he does, and actually, I bloody forget him. And um, uh, well, I didn't forget him, I think I was saving him till last. But he is the sort of player. Some of the feedback I get, and he's going to get this in his career and his afterlife when footy's done and dusted, he looks after himself, is that I run into a lot of supporters from other clubs and other teams, and they always tell me that they used to enjoy going along and watching the Tigers play their team because they get a chance to see me play. And he's going to get that exact same feedback, if not even more, because... He is just, he's special. Like, absolutely. As Dennis would say, he is special. Yeah. Just the awareness he's yeah. Just, we're lucky. Well, the opposition's lucky. Just not kicking straight. Oh, he's no. untackable. Yeah. I've never seen a bloke get out of the tight squeezes again. Incredible. Yeah, look, um, see, I played touch footy all my life. And, um, I recommend it for anyone who wants to play AFL because teach you about space. But he looks like he's a ready-made touch footballer in how he how he negotiates space on the run. He's fantastic. Good catching your phone, Beth. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Oh, uh, look, he brings people to the game. Um, yeah, I just hope that. Uh, he has an injury-free run just for his own health and well-being and for his sake and also for the game's sake because Indigenous participation in the game is dropping right across the board at all levels and I think the numbers are dropping in the AFL. I know one time it peaked at about 14%, but now I think it may be, and I'll have to do my research, but I think it's below double figures. Which is a worry, you know, because one thing Aboriginal folk can do is play footy, boys and girls. Absolutely, yeah. Um, before we get stuck into talking about the Port game and the upcoming Hawks game, a few people in the chat wanted to get your thoughts on Sydney Stack, who I think the Richmond Army love, oh, and he can, he can seriously play the game, Sydney Stack. I love Sydney Stack. He brings an element that's... Um, and sorry, Sydney and Shay, for forgetting his boat. But I like the um, – it's a big rap, 
and it, it's not the complete package, but there's a little bit of Byron Pickett about him in that he, um, if you're there in the gun, he's going to pull the trigger. And he brings a bit of aggression. Yeah. And he brings that. So, and I like that. Mm. See now, don't get me wrong about the current players. Well, Marlian brings it. But he, he brings it in a different way. So, and you need that in your side. And because uh, there's a lot of fellas that when that threat's around, they're thinking about that threat. And, um, yeah, I just hope he hangs in there and stays for another year, but you don't know. One one thing about the end of your footy career is you never see it coming. So hopefully he's making the most of it. And I reckon Stucky will play his best football in the AFL. I think he does have a spot there and belong there. Maybe he gets the chance this week uh, with Boston being out due to injury potentially. He had another good game in the VFL on the weekend. So I think he's a couple of goals playing forward as well, but he's got some serious talent and you know, I hope he can make it. Yeah, I just I just like that little bit of mongrel he brings. Yes, yeah, I agree. You know, when we played, there were blokes. When I played, there were blokes. You always knew where they were on the field because the rules were different. And you had to as a survival mechanism because in our game, you can get killed from 360 degrees. Yeah, and and they'd have a crack at you if they had the chance. So no, he's um he's fantastic. Well, they all are, and and you know it's great. And full credit to the Tigers. So that's seven, and hopefully there's some more in the wind. Well, we've got Mansell as well. Mansell's another one. There's eight. All right, eight. That's fantastic. So how many are actually on the list these days? I think someone put in the chat that there's eight on our list, which is about 18, 18% of our playing list, which is so, exceptional. So, so eight, so, so it's a 44 or something, eight? Must be with those numbers? Yeah. Maybe. That's pretty good. And that's yeah. pretty cool, Richmond. And you know what's fantastic too, and it would be not right if I didn't mention him, but young, uh, young Mr. Clark. I think it's Aaron, yeah, and what he's doing with the Indigenous program there and what Richmond are doing with their Indigenous program, it's fantastic, you know. And I do know a bit of the backstory, and I do know that my great mate Phil Egan, he had a bit to do with all that. And um, so it's fantastic moving forward, you know, for the footballers, but also just kids getting an opportunity to become better people and wherever they go back to, to wherever their community is or wherever they choose to go back to, they can contribute in a positive and meaningful way from a Tiger standpoint as well. And they have that. Yeah. So it's fantastic. One more before we talk about the game. And this one just sort of sprung to me. Sorry for uh, this, Savannah. We've got games to talk about. But... um. When you see the Dreamtime game and the ceremony beforehand and the players participating in that with the uh, celebration, how does that make you feel that the club's allowing these players to express themselves in that way and join in, um, in all that kind of stuff and, and really sort of you know, put their personalities out there? Look, um, it's fantastic. The club, you know, who knows who's leading the race in, in, 
in the race to showcase Aboriginal stuff, but I know Richmond's right up there with anyone and everyone. And um, Dreamtime's fantastic. You know, I, um, I've experienced it a fair few times and one of the interesting things is um, they ask me to go over every now and then and I say, oh, when is it? And um, part of that process is that um, there's a fishing comp that happens at the same time. And I go to the fishing comp in Carnarvon, where I'm from, depending on which end of the week it is. And they couldn't relate to that at Richmond for a while. So, but dream time means a lot to me. And, you know, one year I was um, the homecoming hero. And that bloody night, uh, Zara Arcus had a night out. Essendon did, and anyway, they did us. So I had to give him the bloody um, the boomerang. And Longy presented the shield to Essendon. And, you know, going down on the ground, the buzz was fantastic and all that. So it's uh, there was still 84,000 people there. I think there was 86 or 84 there. But that night I got an even bigger buzz from that, and it's I'll tell this story because it's a good story. I went to, uh, when it was all done and dusted, we made our way to the casino to have a couple of beers and before we retired for the night. And um, I met this young person there who came and saw me. And the reason being that I'd helped this person out in Perth in a mental health scenario. And um, I got a big buzz being on the ground and presenting stuff and rekindled a lot of memories and brought back a lot of things. But I got an even bigger buzz out of this young person thanking me for giving their life back through the mental health process. And, um, yeah, so that was fantastic. I know I'm getting a bit deep, but that was the best dream time night because of that fact, but also, and we lost too, but because I was homecoming hero and all that, it was just part of the thing. And uh, I tell that story everywhere I go because don't get me wrong, but that young person was in a lot of bother and, yeah, wouldn't have been a great quality of life if it wasn't for my process. In their oh, life. And that's, that's great that they're able to, to find you and say thanks as well in a yeah. A nice bit of karma as well. That's that's good. It makes it all worthwhile for the things you do. No, absolutely. And it, and it was real. Like, yeah, like it, it blew me away. And, it, you know, I'm altruistic in nature and that was very humbling. No, that's a, that's a ripper story. And, you know, it, it speaks a lot about the work you do behind the scenes. And there's a lot of people in chat sort of sharing the sentiments that what you do is, is extraordinary work and the community are much better for it. So all the strength to you in that space, absolutely. No, no, thank you for that. That's no, worth it. It is, it is. All right, we'll have a quick chat about the uh, the game we played on the weekend against Port. So uh, we knocked off the power by 38 points. Bolton, your man, kicked four wells. Lynch, four. Cumberland, two. Dan Rioli played an absolute blinder and kicked two. Pickett, uh, Rewalt, Ross and Morris Jr. with one apiece. CB, the game of... Uh, well, we dominated for the vast majority of it. And I think the result far exceeded what we were thinking was going to happen. But 
Good to get over the line. Good to get the four points. Well, it, I, it's funny. Um, looks at our other cohort, Elton John's wig. We, we, you can just feel the Tiger V8 engines just starting to rumble a little bit. It's just starting to uh, get rolling. And I'll go here. If anything, if Daniel Rioli does not make all Australian this year, I'm going to burn AFL House down. He, he has got his magnet needs to be on that all Australian board because he is absolutely burning each team he takes takes the field against this year. He's absolutely he's a superstar this year. He's he's had an unbelievable year, uh, Michael. What, I know you, you mentioned your, your, your liking your views gone to another level, um, but did you ever sort of foresee Dan Rioli reinventing himself as a halfback in the way he has? Um, well, he had wheels. He had smarts. He's got a reasonable size about him. He's got a good kick. And his broken play running is fantastic. And um, and um, look, um, you know, uh, if he doesn't get all Australian, that would be a tragedy. Um, it's a pretty competitive space, that halfback. But I reckon, my bit, I'm a bit biased, but I think he's done enough. You know, and it, and it takes me back to a young fella who I think he wore my number when I left, young Foley. And uh, he was in line for All Australian one year. And um, the selectors said, oh, he'll get his chance down the track. I think at the end of the year or the next year, he did his knee and it was never the same. So that sentiment doesn't hold water. So for the All Australian selectors, hopefully you hear this, but I think he's he's not a shoe in, but he's a strong, strong consideration for it. And you know what? We're the lucky people because he gives it for us and his contributions like those goals like. It's, he, he kicked one the other day from 53 and a half, 54 out. Yeah, yeah. And that was right. Well, what quarter was that? So the legs are a bit weary, a bit heavy. They drilled it. And I believe it was the third quarter, just drilled it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So After, um, after sprinting with it as well. So yeah, he's done the hard run. Carry. <laughs> Look, um, you know, I watch that game and I, we all see things differently. And, um we murdered a few goals, like I mean easy goals, and we did soft nothing turnovers through skill error or choice, wrong option. And um, if we, I won't say where I thought they were because there was one person who was quite obvious, but anyway, still a good player. But, you know, when it comes to a close game, Oh, those ones cost you a game. And that could be the difference between winning a final, playing in a final, or even a grand final. So I just and, worry about that little things. And and um Chris, the barometer for our team in finals, we've got to get we've got to find a way to get him through the big fella Nan Curvis, mate. Tell us about his game. Cool. You know, when you see the ruck when he was going up against, the, the expectation as a supporter is that he's going to dominate and do his thing, and he did it in space. There was a 29 disposals, four marks, three tackles, 
44 hitouts, eight clearances. Um, but it, it was just an all-round complete game. So I think that was his best-ranked game of his career. Uh, and, and he set the tone for us. He's like another midfielder. And he did exactly what a big man should do against an inexperienced ruckman. It was kind of it was a bit old school, wasn't it? I'm I'm going to put this out there, and I know we went ballistic when Brad Scott did it against us. But should we secure our finals berth after next week? Should we be a lock? I wouldn't play him against Essendon. I'd give him two weeks to freshen that knee up, so he's cherry rock to go that week one of finals. I think we can just bring Soldo in against the Bombers. Should we get up against the Hawks? He's too valuable. He's too valuable of asset for our finals chances, Nan Curtis. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I and I'll say this: um, Kane Corns. <laughs> Kane Corns. Jesus, what do you think of him? Bloody says he's not the right bloke for captain. You know. <laughs> what would Kane, just, what would Kane know? What would he know? Huh? What would Kane Corns know about Richmond, mate? Seriously. Well, I could say some stuff that would get me into trouble, but I'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> um, for him to go down that route, just totally wrong. Like, he's saving marks down back. Like, how many times... Does he, in that vital stage of the game, does he take that defensive mark down back yeah. in against the best and it just saves the day for us, you know? And, um, and look, he might give a few free kicks away, but you know what? He's exactly what I was talking about with Stephen Michael. You knew where he was on the oh, ground. Absolutely. And you, every one of those opposition players, they will know where he is on the ground. He tackles with serious intent. He makes sure they stick. I like it. And you know what? The occasional free kick, if it doesn't hurt us too much, if it's in the right spot, give it. Bring it give on. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, boys, we've got to get through the uh, the game this week first against the Hawks. So I suppose, CB, it's a really important game. And, and Friday night, even though we're not playing Friday night, is equally as important with Melbourne versus St Kilda. So I suppose for those who haven't looked at the scenarios, if Melbourne beats St Kilda and we beat Hawthorne, we're locked in. We, we can't drop out. Um, obviously, we just want to keep winning and win out. But the Hawks beat the Suns by seven points, 30th on the ladder. Um, they're, they're not going to lie down easily. They, they always see us as a big challenge game. Uh, how do you see this one playing out, CB? Obviously, we've got Nick Vloston now. Who who comes in for Vloston? Um, I want to see Stacky come in for Vloston, and I want Shane Edwards as the sub. Yeah, that's a good call. I think I think sub for Shane Edwards, especially if we're playing finals, is actually perfect because I don't think you can do a young kid as a sub in finals because it's quite a high-intensity game. And you've got Shane Edwards, who's you know, brings his teammates into the game. He's experienced. He knows what he's doing. But uh, I agree with the stack in this week. Uh, Michael, I'm sure you'd be on board for Sydney to come in, in this week with Loston. But how do, you, how do we get over the Hawks this week? Well, oh, I remember rightly, they beat us early on. Did they beat us? Yeah, I think they did. Yeah. There's two games that cost us. It was them and North Melbourne, and and the other one was the Suns. So three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I thought 
bloody Hawthorne beat us. Uh, I don't know, for some reason, I, I don't know, I don't like what they do. But anyway, um, I think you're on the money with your six because Grimes is out, isn't he? Yeah, Grimes, Grimes and Vlosrats have lost two, two good people. But having that out, that means we're forced to play bolter back, which I quite like. Oh, That's his best position. Yeah, yeah. Well, bolter back, and I think Stacky. I, I can't think of anyone else to come in. You know, yeah, I'd play Stacky. I would, just for that oh. little bit of hardness around the place. And he, he's actually a good, he's actually a good player. <laughs> He can play. Yeah, earlier on, so thank you for the chat pointing that out. Um, a couple of key matchups before we wrap up. It's look at their back line, and I think that's where we're going to expose them. I think our forwards are in pretty good nick at the moment. Big Tommy Lynch is smashing into packs, taking marks, kicking goals. Um, but I actually think the play is going to benefit. So the matchup's probably going to be Sicily and Jekka against Rewalt and Lynch. I reckon Cumberland's going to be the one to take advantage of that. I think he's going to get a really bad matchup from a Hawks perspective that he can take advantage of with his height and mobility um, and just good goal sense. I, I think it's similar to the Port in a way. Like, I look at, I look at um, Hawthorne's midfield and, you know, like, I do like John Newcomb. He's a very good young player for them. He's having an exceptional year. But where we can get him uh, speed kills. And I reckon, like Port Adelaide, we can get him through the middle through speed. And keep in mind, Dion Presti is playing phenomenal football at the moment. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you're right. Speed through the middle, which will give our forwards that, that opportunity to um, plant the pill, is what I'm thinking. Yeah. I think we continue with our run and stunt style. Yep. Chipping it around's okay, but uh, our run and stunt. But mind you, I've watched them a few times. And, uh, I see some blokes get a little bit ahead of themselves. And uh, so instead of taking what's in front of you and making the wall come to you, they kick to a maybe. And uh, when the maybe doesn't work out, that's a turnover. You get us going the other way. And invariably we pay the price with a scoreboard admission. So, yeah, we just got to cut that stuff out. But I think we'll be all right. Um, but they are a dangerous side. I think we took them a bit lightly that first time, and uh, we are because they took four points off us. But um, Gloucester is a big player out. <laughs> He's yeah. a huge yeah. And you put bloody Grimes in there, you know. But mind you, we've had injuries all year, and don't forget, we haven't mentioned the fellow who's having a rest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you bring him in, he changes the complexion. Now, I don't know how far away he is or where his mindset is at, at this point in time, but um, wouldn't it be good if he came back in? Oh, I think, I think if you can get for that first that first final, if you can get Vlosten and Dustin Martin back in your team, you're looking all right, aren't you? Yeah, because he's Grimes done and Dustin. I think so. He's had surgery this week. Well, I think they said or? they. I think they said they picked a specific surgery with the thought process that if we make finals, maybe get to second week, it might give him a chance to be available. That that's a risky move, though. Um, but uh, I think they're giving him every chance. But I would say, for all intents and purposes, he's done. 
Yeah, I, I think the better strategy possibly, put the red line through him and groom someone. Well, just keep going with Gipkis. Gipkis yeah. and Miller. Hey, now I'm glad you mentioned him. He's my favourite player at the minute, as well as Bolton and Daniel and well, all the crew, but Geez, he's what we've been looking for for the last five or six years, ten years even, a reasonably sized back. I just hope they don't keep pushing him up, although it's the modern game, change it up, push someone up forward. And um, you know what I reckon? You know, he could be like, uh, what's his name, played for Essendon. And they played him on the wing there for a while. And um, imagine him as a target coming through. Through the mid. Well, I think he's. Um, I think you might need to just get rid of a couple of comments there, Chris. Um, yeah, he, he's a, he's a young man. Um, he's a young man who's going to be very versatile. I think I think he's going to be that sort of swingman type. He can he can play forward. He can play back. And I think he's um, yeah. a lot of well, lot of, lot of fu- big future for him. I'll throw in a name where that's possibly a dangerous scenario. Silvano. <laughs> he was yeah. doing that. <laughs> he got ousted. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> then come back in and did all right. But anyway, that's good. All right. Well, uh, we'll get a tip, including margin for this one. CB, who's going to win and by how much? I'll go Tigers in a gnarly 25-point win. We'll take that every day of the week. Uh, Michael, who's going to win and by how much? I'm in it with you, CB17. I'm in it with you. I'll go the exact same. Oh, you're a smart right. man, Michael. You're a smart man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say Tigers Tigers by 30, just because it will give me bragging rights in the household with my wife being a Hawthorne supporter. So we'll be there this week. It's a battle of the household, so I could be sleeping out in the garage potentially after this weekend, but it'll be worth it if we get the four points. <laughs> Yeah, camp out there with no blanket too if we win. <laughs> that's it, that's absolutely. No, it'll be very well worth it. So, all right, well, uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on tonight, mate. Really, really appreciate your time and your stories. It's been absolutely fantastic to catch up with you and uh, the Tiger Army um, show a lot of love and support for you and, and really, yeah, really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. And who knows, maybe I've shown some of my soft underbelly, but anyway, that's life. Um, oh, Footy is a great vehicle, and uh, you know, there's a couple of things in our um, theme song that's relevant. And we're all strong and we're bold, and we're all yellow and black. That's, that's, yeah, that's a perfect. Perfect. Once you try yellow and black, Michael. You can't go back. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> and we. <laughs> Thank you so much again. Thank you again, Nick, for organising that, mate. I absolutely appreciate your time and effort as well. So uh, go to the Tigers this weekend, and we'll uh, see you all on Monday, hopefully after another win. Yep. Go Tigers. Thank you very much, Nick, and CB17. Fantastic, son. Our pleasure. Thank you very much. Yep. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, boys.